here folks is another episode of another gd podcast i'm your host guy demarco and i am finally back after yet again another hiatus why because um no excuse i'm a lazy piece of crap and uh got sidetracked a lot of things going on but we'll save that for another episode what i'm here today to talk about is the rpgi friday night lights new year's eve match that's a hell of a mouthful um I got talked into going out and competing at the RPGI match uh, by a couple of my friends. And this is not my typical match that I shoot. This was a run and gun outlaw similar to USPSA type of match time plus penalties. And I had a blast. Um, It was held at the element training complex in Holt, florida which is just down the road from me a little bit had a fantastic time it was a new year's eve match um it was a night match it was awesome it was a great time so what we're going to do is we're going to kind of break down the match who i shot with how i did some cool things that happened about the match what was going on why it was such a special event for those in attendance Okay, so like I said, this was the RPGI Friday Night Lights New Year's Eve match. So we checked in at around 5 o'clock, got everything, safety waivers, taken care of, all that stuff. Got the uh, safety brief started about 5.30. It was a different type of a safety brief, and we'll cover that a little bit later. Um, My squad got done shooting at about 9.30. And then they finally did scores at about 10.15. The only thing I would say is they were a little bit slow on the actual scores and like the posting of it. But like I said, there was some other stuff going along or going on during the match. So that's why it was a little bit delayed. All right. So 77 shooters in total for a night match. In my opinion, that's a really good turnout. Now, being that RPGI is affiliated with some of the military units in the area, it makes sense why there was a lot of dudes in uh, kit and NVGs shooting, which I thought was awesome. I did hit up my boys to see if I could get some NVGs and a laser for the match, and they told me to effectively piss up a rope because there's no way they're lending me out PVS-31s. And I don't necessarily blame them. Um be honest if if my friend was the equipment custodian maybe it would have worked out different but he's the supply guy so shit shit luck for me all right so 70 77 shooters all right um broke down we kind of had a bigger squad and that's because uh four of three other gentlemen that i shoot with on a regular decided to shoot this match now um, we had Harrison Servos of Servos Custom Firearms. He is going to be a guest here in the near future, and I think you guys are going to really enjoy that. He's a gunsmith local to the Alabama area, and he's a really good guy. 
um, I shot Dan Booker, who is one of our other friends out of the Alabama area. And then James Altvater, you all know him as the match director for the NRL 22 at Altus Shooting Solutions. He's taking over the MD position from me because I was supposed to move and we'll cover that in another podcast. Crazy times. All right. So as a breakdown of us four shooters, James took uh, first out of our four friends. He placed 22nd overall. Um we had Dan Booker at 27th, myself at 59th, and then Harrison's gun kind of came apart, came from together, um, gas tube exploded, so he was no longer able to complete the match, unfortunately. So he ended up, even though he wasn't able to complete the match, he still finished 74th out of 77. So not at the very bottom, but um, we all felt bad for him and, you know, tried to give him our guns to shoot but he nope he wanted to press and he really tested the durability of a 762 by 39 in a seven inch um ar platform with a machine gun lower and before you get all skeptical he is a fully licensed ffl with a sot to manufacturer um those type of firearms so everything was on the up and up and legal um I came in 59th. I had a great time. However, I ran my PTR MP5 clone, and it is the first time I've ever run it in a match. It's only like my third time ever shooting it. Um, Harrison was nice enough to bring his Obsidian 45 uh, suppressor from Rugged Suppressors out. Uh, I bought the three-way lug and because we're on the same squad and I was within like arm's reach of him at all times, he let me shoot his can, which that thing is just super quiet. I'll post a video, um, with, uh, with this podcast about how quiet that can is. Uh, it's a great can. I've got one in, uh, suppressor jail right now. Um, I've shot it on a 4570 straight wall case type rifle and on this PTR MP5 clone and it is ridiculously quiet. So can't wait to get mine out of jail, but finished 59th overall. And then Dan finished 27th. He was shooting some type of AR pistol. I think it was like a 10 and a half to a 12 inch gun. And then James was shooting just a standard USGI carry handle retro throwback uh, AR with a red dot on top. He came in 22nd and um, I don't care what you say, like it's not necessarily the bow and arrow. Sometimes it is the Indian and James can just flat out shoot. Um, not that his head needs to get any bigger than it already is, but James, you're a hell of a fucking shooter. And, uh, generally speaking, you shoot circles around me. Let's get into the match. Um, so it was five stages, which I think was appropriate for a night match that was going to start at 5 36 o'clock i think that the five stages the way that they were built the way they were laid out was appropriate for a night match where the only light provided is on your firearm so um to my knowledge we weren't allowed to turn on our headlamps to engage targets it had to be done with the flashlight that was on your firearm firearm if it wasn't mounted to your firearm it needed to be like a handheld light. I don't think that a head 
a headlamp was going to uh, be allowed. Maybe they would have if it was the only thing you had, but everybody in our squad had either rifle out, uh, rifle, or pistol uh, mounted op, uh, light sources, which was pretty cool. Um, first time shooting a night match of this type. Um, third time really shooting in the dark ever beside, outside of military stuff. So it was interesting. Like I said, I was shooting my PTR clone. So it was difficult for the mag changes because I've not practiced mag changes or anything else like that. But as far as stage design, I, I liked it. There was a couple of burn it down, shoot it as fast as you can stages. And uh, there was two of those. And there was three more dynamic um, think your way through the problem, which I think is appropriate. Um if it was just like burn it down and not a lot of movement, um, I could see where times would be faster, but um, less enthusiastic about the overall match. But I think t having two solid speed stages was appropriate. Um, the round count for these stages were between, I think the lowest round count was 16 and the highest was in the 30s, low 30s at that. Um they did have stages that required um, reloads. They had stages that you could only have a certain amount of rounds loaded in your firearm at the beginning of the stage to drive you to do reload. They had a stage where you had to have your magazine placed downrange and you had to retrieve it and engage targets downrange. They had a stage gun where you used a prop gun and fired one round at a target, hit or miss, and retrieve your firearm, and then complete the stage. They also had door breaches um, with battering rams, and I thought it was a really, really good layout. So I want to just cover somewhat of the breakdown of the stage. So stage one was a total of eight targets. So if you're shooting handgun or rifle attack, uh, it was one round in the alpha zone or two rounds on paper. If you were shooting a heavy gun, so a 762 by 39 like an AK or something like that, or a 308 heavy uh, AR-type platform, it was one round on paper anywhere to neutralize the target. So me shooting a 9 mil, it was two rounds on target or one in the A zone, but it was four targets on the left and four targets on the right, and you were separated by about three yards, um, and you had a wall in front of you, and you had to uh, have the gun propped on the barrel on top of a 55-gallon drum plastic barrel. Timer goes off, pick up the gun, engage your targets, uh, one, two, three, four, with two rounds each, transition to whichever side, the opposite side. So if you started on the left, you'd go to the right. But in between that transition, you needed to complete a reload and then re-engage the other targets on the other side. Now, these aren't just standard targets. I mean, they're standard targets, but there was some no-shoots. There was um, some bladed, uh, some blading to the target, so it wasn't a full presentation, which I thought was really, really cool. Uh, stage two was a uh, breach stage where you... Um, you breach a door, you have four targets on your left that are obscured by barrels and things like that. You had four targets on your right 
and then you had four targets in front of you, but you had to engage those through a window. Um, this is where you used the um, the battering ram to knock open the door, and it was a steel door. Um, they used some like rare earth magnets to keep the door shut, so you did have to, you know, engage that door with the battering ram to actually get it open, which I thought was um, quite clever. And then your gun was propped once again on top of a 55 gallon drum. Uh, stage three was the prop gun, which I, I did enjoy. It was a 22, but it was built on a AR platform upper and lower. It had the 22 bolt carrier group, 22 long rifle bolt carrier group in it. And on the buzzer, you would go from the low ready, engage one steel target that had a flasher on it. It probably six yards engage that, make the rifle safe, dump it in the dump bucket, and then um, open a door that opens outward, and then grab your rifle and engage four targets on the left, four targets on the right, and then four targets to the front that were uh, through a porthole. Um, a lot of quick and decisive movement. I thought it was really good stage. I liked the build out of it. It was pretty sweet. Moving on to uh, stage four, it was speed. You started, um, no, I'm sorry, different one. Um, this one uh, had a four targets on the left, which one of them was a swinger, and then four targets on the right. No reload, just as fast as you could get it, but you had to physically engage the swinger, get it to start moving, and then your goal is to obviously shoot it at the lowest part of its apex where it slows down the most. That way it presents itself for the longest period of time. So that was a nice uh, a nice inclusion into the event, having a swinger target to where not everything was completely stationary. I thought that was pretty cool. And then finally, stage five, was the uh, sp another speed stage. It was four targets from the seated position um, directly in front of you, probably a yard and a half, two yards. Your firearm was sitting on a plastic table. You're seated in seating. Wow, I can't talk. You're sitting in a chair with your back against the chair on the buzzer. You grab your firearm, present to the target, engage and neutralize those four, four targets drop your mag, run up over a small berm, maybe a foot, two foot tall, um, grab your mag that is pre-staged downrange, and then lean over a, another set of 55-gallon drum barrels and then engage four more targets. Now, this is the stage where you were only allowed, um, if you were shooting standard classes, you were allowed eight rounds in your magazine. So you could only have eight rounds in your magazine. That way your mag your gun would be dry and then you would have to ditch the mag, run down range, reload, and then re-engage the other eight targets. Um, I thought that was a really well thought out stage. Yeah, it's really close, but it's speed and it's not just speed. I can burn it down as fast as I want. It's I have to be deliberate with these uh, eight shots because I either need to put it in the A zone or I need to double tap neutralize the target, but I only have eight rounds. So for somebody like Harrison that was running a full auto machine gun, that definitely played into his methodology of how he shot that stage. So I thought that was really cool. Um, 
some things that I learned on this match is um, reloads. I need to work on the reload on the MP5. Um, I have forgotten that you can, you can, but it is difficult uh, to get a fully loaded MP5 mag into the magwell and seated into the locked position to where it's not going to fall out while the bolt is forward. That's why when you see a lot of people do a reload, they will drop the mag, run the bolt to the rear position, complete the reload, and then HK slap it forward and then re-engage the target. Um, on both of the reloads that I needed to do, I had forgotten to do that. So I would go and get the mag halfway seated and then basically tilt the rifle over, then try and run the bolt back and then finish seating the magazine and then HK slap sent around in a battery and then continue to do God's work. Um, not the smoothest way about doing things. Um, therefore that's something that I'm going to practice, uh, in some of my dry fire sessions is presentation to the target, reloading an HK, um, but also doing things in the dark. I realized that it is extremely difficult to reload a firearm that I am not familiar with in the dark. And that's something that I've identified that I'm going to work a little bit on. Um, it's not the biggest thing in the, excuse me, got the hiccups. Um, not the biggest thing in the world. Do I plan on utilizing this HK to defend myself in a life or death situation? Do I plan on deploying with one down range? No. However, it is a weapon that I have readily available to myself. And if something needed to go down, I would like the to know that I am capable of manipulating my firearm in the most effective way to neutralize whatever threat I may be dealing with. Um, I was suggested that they make a weld-on um, magwell that will aid in the reload of an MP5, and that's something I haven't really looked into yet. Um, I'm going to check it out and see if it's worth it if it's actually going to make it smoother or not. I might pick one up and just do a, you know, a temp fit and then see if it's actually worth its weight or not, or if I can just get better with what I've actually got. Um, things are hard in the dark. I'm going to work on that, like I said. And then one thing that I did, and I don't know why, maybe it's my, um, ADHD, OCD, but like when I'm done using something, I like to turn it off and put it away. So when I was done utilizing the firearm on a stage, I never turned the, I turned the optic off instead of just leaving it on for the four or five hours we were going to be out there. So, um, I checked my dot, figured out where I wanted it as far as, um, intensity level prior to the first stage. And then I turned it off. So when the, I went and staged the rifle, I loaded it, everything was good, set it down on the barrel, um, and this is where we started on stage three with a prop gun, and I engaged that target with the prop gun, hit it, ran inside, grabbed the gun, missed the thumb switch for my light, and then looked through, once I found it, and looked through my optic um, with a little bit of the moonlight that we had, I had no dot. So I was able to just engage the target with my just point blank front sight post, and then as I transitioned, I just reached over to the top and cranked that dial on that MRO from Trigicon, got it on, and then was able to finish the stage with the dot on. And then once again, turned the dot off once I got done with the stage because 
make sure that it's safe, make sure that it's empty, put my chamber flag in, turn my dot off. Why? I have no idea. It comes from, I think it comes from my time shooting Steel Classic out in California. We always turned our Seymours off. I don't know what it is, but that bit me on two different stages. So after that, all of my friends just harassed me and told me to keep my damn light on. So that's what I did. Um, overall recommendations. Would I recommend a RPGI Friday Night Lights match? to a new intermediate or a experienced shooter yes i would why because it was fun get yourself a group of your buddies go out there with your pistols with your lights if you need to use handheld surefire lights that's fine just get out there and shoot get yourself training in an environment where you're not comfortable in the environment um it's still safe it's still economical because you're shooting we shot maybe 100 to 120 rounds, I think, was the total round count for the night. And that's if you shot everything. Um, you don't have the opportunity to shoot at night a whole lot. So when companies and ranges offer training or offer events like this, use it as your training and just go out there and blast blast some rounds with your buddies. That's what we did. Uh, Dan James Harrison and I. Um, we met up there, we, you know, sat around and bullshitted and talked and hung out and met some new guys and, you know, ended up seeing one of our buddies that shoots with us at Altus taking second place and first place combat handgun, uh, Judd Spivey, congrats. Um, that's literally the only dude I knew there, but congratulations on, on second place and top handgun. That was, that was awesome, but get out there and shoot and meet some new people and learn and figure out what you need to work on. If I didn't go and shoot this match, I wouldn't have realized that I suck at reloads. Things are much harder in the dark and leaving my optic on and maybe looking at purchasing a magwell for this MP5. Um, just some things that I didn't, I didn't know, but now I do know and I can work on them. So overall, I would recommend this match for a beginner, for an intermediate or an advanced guy cool thing about this is you can also shoot this match in 22 rimfire there was two people on our squad that were shooting this stage these stages with a 22 rimfire with not a super expensive surefire or you know mod light or anything else like that taped on the side of it it was just your average run-of-the-mill flashlight and a mmp 1522 from your your big box retailer that they went out there and they were shooting this match and they were having a great time um i'm considering going out there with my 22 um speed gun and just like doing it all with a flashlight uh a handheld flashlight and just or duct taping it to it i don't really care i think it would be a blast so i might do that at the next friday night lights uh event at rpgi just to go shoot, have fun and make fun of myself. I'm totally okay with that. Um, so definitely this is a thumbs up recommendation to go shoot one of those matches. Um, as far as what was going on that night now, um, for those that don't know, I'm down here in Florida in the panhandle. We got a lot of military bases around here. And one of those bases is the seventh special special seventh special forces group. And one of their members was retiring a chief warrant officer to Brendan, 
uh, solder. Sorry if I'm screwing that up. Uh, Siwa, but yep. Uh, after 21 years of faithful service to the United States Army, uh, Ranger Bat, and uh, Special Forces Green Beret, he uh, retired, and it was pretty cool because they were able to call up their uh, detachment commander and do a exfil call over FaceTime from their deployed location. So that was pretty cool that we got to be a part of that and hear some uh, some kind words from his wife, his kids, his teammates, and then his detachment commander. So, uh, Brendan, congratulations on your retirement. That was super cool. They presented him with some awards. Um, they presented some drive-on patches to some gentlemen that are getting ready to go to selection and go to the Q course. And if you don't know what a drive-on patch is, hit me up in the comments and I'll, I'll fill you in. Um, it's, uh, it's, it's a pretty cool deal to get recognized by somebody on their way out as you're coming on your way in. So, um, pretty cool experience overall. So congratulations and best of luck and best wishes to you. Um, Brennan, you're, uh, or a hell of a dude. It was an honor to, uh, to get to shoot with you Friday night and look forward to it again because you're staying in the area but that's all i've got for the podcast everybody so if you want to hear some different content whether it be entrepreneurs military guys uh shooting match recaps whatever it may be let me know hit me up on the social media at another gd podcast on instagram guy demarco on facebook uh yeah, leave comments on the wherever you listen to this podcast. You can also hit me up on YouTube, Guide to Marco, on there as well. I'll put all those links in here. Um, if you like the intro music, I'll link to that guy's TikTok at the bottom as well. If you guys engage with the podcast, that'll bump it up a little bit on the charts, which I'm not doing this for the iTunes charts. But if you like, like it and share it and give it a review. It pushes the algorithm to let other people know about the podcast. You can also share it with your friends and family and get them to listen to me ramble on for however long I've been doing that now. 26 minutes, so not too long. I had to change it over on my recording device here, but that's what I got. RPGI, Friday Night Lights, New Year's Eve match. It was pretty fun. It was awesome, and I had fun shooting it with my friends. So if you want to get in to some night shooting, that is the location to do it. Hit me up. We'll go out there together if you're in the panhandle of Florida. So we'll leave you guys with that. Check me out next time. Later. What you know about rolling down in the deep? Down in the deep. Right here.